Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Soroka's future, shade thrown at Ritter, and the unicorn is back. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So in what was a surprising move is the Braves had a day off tomorrow and they made some trades and they picked up a couple of relievers and that's all good. I mean, strengthening up the bullpen again, you know, added another left-handed pitcher from the Rangers. It's all good. Pierce Johnson. Okay. He's all right. But in the mix of all of this, and they picked up some guy from waivers from Tampa Bay was Michael Soroka, who was sent back down to Gwinnett. And I, I, I don't really understand this move. Now, again, I trust Alex Anthopoulos and all this kind of stuff, but this really starts to call into question what the future of Michael Soroka and the Atlanta Braves are going to have because Soroka, while not pitching lights out and all this kind of stuff, certainly had done enough things that you figure at some point you either leave him up with this club or you need to move on from Soroka. And it was a situation where, you have a big enough lead in the division. You're 11 and a half games up. Why can't you afford to let Soroka work some things out at the big league level versus doing the Partridge family bus thing of going back and forth from Buford to Smyrna and back? You know, hey, come on, get happy. And the bus is just going back and forth. Like Soroka's not benefiting by going down to Gwinnett and all these different trips. Either leave him up here or move on. And again, they're going to have to offer him arbitration. I'm not even sure they're going to offer him arbitration because, look, here's where the future is. You've got Strider. You've got Elder. You're going to have Kyle Wright back at some point. You're going to get Ian Anderson back at some point next year. Max Freed is still in the mix. You've got Schuster. you got Dodd. you got all of these guys. Does Soroka even fit anymore? Because it doesn't feel like it. If we're going to do the Partridge family bus thing of he's here, he's not, he's here, that, he's not, blah, blah, back and forth and all this stuff. Like, I don't get it. If you believe in Soroka, let him get it figured out at the big league level. I, I'm, unless you're telling me he's hurt again. Unless I'm hearing that, again, he's going to go to the IL and he's going to be on the IL for the rest of the season. What am I learning in Gwinnett at this point? He's proven that he's a, a competent major league pitcher in his career. He's had some good starts, had some not so good starts, had some good starts. His last start was six innings and four runs. That's not great, but that's all the Braves need right now. And I don't understand. I mean, again, we're working things out and this, that, and the other. I don't get this move at all for the life of me. I don't really understand it. And, and I really do think it calls into question about where the future is headed with Michael Soroka for the Braves. 
because you're going to get all of these again even we're not even talking about for the right here and now i'm talking about for the long-term future you're going to get ian anderson back you're going to get kyle wright back you've got schuster you've got dodd you've got elder you've got strider even without morton even if morton let's just say morton is only here for next year okay that's still one more starter that's taken up a spot that pushes Soroka, you know, to the back end. And all I really needed from Michael Soroka at the end of the day was to be a competent major league pitcher. Six innings, four runs. I'll take that. Like the, with the way the Braves offense rolls, I can live with that. But obviously they felt like there was something else that was missing, some chromosome or missing, you know, and they had to make a roster spot or two, you know, to – fit everybody in. I don't get it. I, I, for the life of me, don't understand. And, and again, if Michael Soroka at, at this point, if Michael Soroka in this situation where you have several guys that are hurt, several guys that are trying to get back. I mean, again, we haven't seen Max Fried yet. You have several guys that are either out for the year. They're hurt. They're still trying to come back. And you have a, a big lead in the division. You have a double-digit lead over everybody in the division. And you have the best offense maybe in the history of the Braves organization who can put up runs at will, and especially in the first inning, where it just feels like they score at will. If Soroka can't stay up here in this situation, then release him. And maybe that whole change of scenery thing will work for Michael Soroka. Maybe he does need to, you know, again, as Jim Ross would always say, maybe he needs to go away and learn a new hold. Because that's what it's feeling like, that if in this environment, in all of the things that are lined up for Soroka, injuries and guys coming back and still not ready yet and, big lead in the division and a great offense. If he can't figure out how to stay in the rotation with this team, then it's time to move on from him. And again, we've lived without him for the last couple of years. We'll continue to live on with him. I hate it. I I, I want to see Soroka get back and be that great pitcher that he was, you know, a couple years ago, a few years ago, whatever it's been. I want to see him get back up to that level where, Again, what, second in the league in ERA? Should have started game one against the Cardinals in that playoff series. When you adjusted for ballpark ERA, he led the National League in ERA that year. Again, I want to see that guy. What was he, 13-4 and four that year? And looked like one of the best young pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. But I don't get this move. And, and, and again, with Freed having to go, another rehab start. And, and you're not settled at starting pitcher yet. And Elder's been, you know, up and down. And, you know, again, I, I don't get this whole thing. Uh, either Soroka needs to figure it out at the major league level and get his act together here, or just tell me that it's time to move on from him. Which I would, again, truthfully, at this point, I wouldn't mind seeing the Braves part ways with Michael Soroka and have him just go to a different organization and a different team. He may not go to a great scenario or whatever like that, but again, maybe there is something to, you know, you just, you get a change of scenery from everything. 
and, and you refocus and you have a new lease on life. I don't know. I, I really don't know because I'm perplexed as well. I don't really understand what this move was, especially when Snicker even just said, hey, you know, we really hope Soroka can just nail down one of these spots because we're still fighting and scratching and clawing to fill out a rotation. And then he goes down. And, and it's not like the Braves just added a starter. It's not like not like the Braves just traded for a starter. Not like they traded for Giolito or somebody or Lance Lynn or somebody. No, they, they had to make room for some of their relievers and stuff like that. I, it baffles me. So, again, I think it calls into question the idea of what Soroka's future is here. He can finish out the year in Gwinnett and he'll work on stuff or whatever like that. But why would you make him an arbitration offer? Why would, why would you make him an offer at this point? If you think he can't stick on the club and there's obviously going to be an influx of pitching over the next year or so here, not even counting guys that are in your minor league system. I'm not even counting those guys. I'm talking about everybody else that's been at the major league level. You would think Anderson and Freed and Wright and Strider and Elder and all. I mean, again, how many more guys can you have? So if he can't stick in this scenario now, then I think it's time to say, hasta lasagna, don't get any on you, and just move on and just release Soroka and let him go out to the wild and let him latch on with another team and see what happens. But I don't really understand this move. I'm sure that there are bigger things that are going on with Soroka and bigger fish that have to be fried with it. But it just kind of baffles me that they just can't leave him in this scenario that we're in right now, that they can't leave him at the major league level to get starts and get himself back up to where he maybe could be. Then, you know, again, evaluate after a while and then move on from him if you don't think he can be back at that level of pitcher. All right, this episode is brought to you by Hitting, or sorry, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, as America's uh, number one sports book is FanDuel.com. And as you're betting on Major League Baseball this season, you can now get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So bet 20 bucks at FanDuel, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or whether you lose. It's $200 you can spend on betting on everything from the money line to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run. It's obviously a safe, secure, and super easy-to-use app. And the best part about FanDuel, when you win, you get paid instantly. So there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So head up today, sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and get up to $200 in bonus bets. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on fanduel.com slash l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n fanduel is the official partner of major league baseball so there was some shade thrown at desmond ritter uh yesterday so steve smith the former panthers wide receiver who obviously played in the division with the atlanta falcons he's got his i guess cut to it podcast that he does everybody's got a podcast in life right so he had Green Bay Packers rookie uh, wide receiver Jaden Reed on his show. And Jaden Reed had talked about the idea of when the Falcons were picking in the second round that there was potential that they were interested in Jaden Reed in selecting him. 
And ultimately, Carolina picked him out. I think it was pick number 50 or something like that. So he fell a little bit, you know, past the Falcons or whatever like that. And and he ended up hooking up with the Panthers. And here's what here's what Steve Smith had to say about the Falcons quarterback situation and Desmond Ritter. Quote, I can tell you right now with the Atlanta Falcons, they ain't got no quarterback right now. You dodged a bullet on that. To which Jaden Reed said, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Again, I think it was just probably, in all honesty, probably just kind of agreeing, you know, and I don't think he has any angst about Desmond Ritter or whatever like that, but certainly sounds like Steve Smith has a little bit of angst about Desmond Ritter. And, and I understand. Look, again, people are kind of blasting Steve Smith about, oh, well, you know, Ritter did it. I, I get it. Ritter's not established himself. You know, I like Desmond Ritter. He's my favorite draft pick last year. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. That's me, and, and part of that's homering. Right. Part of that being a homer for Desmond Ritter. But again, I think he did some good things. But if Steve Smith doesn't think that he's going to be a good quarterback or a competent quarterback, again, we didn't get a chance to draft Bryce Young. We didn't have the number one pick in the draft to be able to go get a quarterback. We didn't have that. You know, we took Desmond Ritter in the third round of last year's draft. So again, it is kind of funny. You know, when you read his comment about they ain't got no quarterback, maybe we'll see after this year. I mean, I certainly think that all of the spotlight is going to be on Desmond Ritter. But the point is, though, too, he doesn't have to be the man. He does. The reality is he doesn't have to be Pat Mahomes or Joe Burrow. He doesn't have to be at that kind of level for the Falcons to have some success. The Falcons have their playing personality. This is why we talked about the idea of, you know, well, oh, they got to add another wide receiver. Why? They've got plenty of pass catchers. For what they do and what they're going to do offensively, they've got plenty of people that can catch the football. That's not what their problem is. Their problem isn't going to be, well, we just need more guys to catch the football. No, they're, they're not going to throw it, you know, a whole crap ton. They're not going to drop him back 600 times like they do Matt Ryan. They're not going to do all that. So again, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that Steve Smith said what he said. Maybe that's a little bit of not just shade at Desmond Ritter, but shade at the Falcons organization. I mean, look, here's the reality: everything that the Falcons planned on for their, um, their quarterback succession plan blew up in their face. It all blew up. Whether it was going after. Deshaun Watson, that blew up in their face. Whether it was, well, we're going to ride Matt for one more year, that blew up in their face. Whether it was, you know, bringing in Marcus Mariota to bridge, that blew up in their face. So everything they've done is blown up in their face. And hopefully Desmond Ritter can anchor this thing and, and keep, you know, the collective and just kind of calm everything down and show that he's a competent quarterback. Again, he doesn't have to be the MVP of the league. He doesn't have to go crazy. I, if he's a if he's just an above average or slightly above average quarterback, Falcons can have success because the way their offense runs and what their playing personality is, it doesn't all rely on what the quarterback has to do. Now, look, if he does ball out, then we're going to have a separate discussion about how far can we go. But if he's just a little bit above average at quarterback, Falcons can win games. They're playing a last place schedule. There's not a lot of good teams on their schedule. They're playing personalities to run the football. It's to go behind that right side of that offensive line 
and run to glory. That's their playing personality. So unlike where Bryce Young, who's the first overall draft pick, is going to have a massive amount of expectation on him, I like the fact that people are underselling Ritter. I like the fact that people aren't on the Desmond Ritter bandwagon. Good, good. I'm, I'm excited. That's exactly what I want to hear. I don't want to have people, you know, all hyping up Desmond Ritter and different things like this. I want him to kind of be under the radar, just go out and do his thing, right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, just go out and do your thing. The kid's a winner. He's proven that he's a winner. I, I, I like his football IQ. I, I saw him grow. I mean, again, I promised all of us watched more snaps of Desmond Ritter than what Steve Smith did. Steve Smith picks up the box score, you know, and looks and says, you know, oh, 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 he was only this or that or whatever like that. No. If you saw Desmond Ritter play those last four weeks, you saw him get better and better each and every week. Now, has he still got a lot to learn? Absolutely. He's still got a lot to learn. No doubt about it. He's still got a long way to go. But, again, he, you could talk about his level of competition and all these other different kinds of things that, that were out there, but the idea is that this kid's a winner. And he did play Alabama and Georgia and Notre Dame and Ohio State, and he played top-tier programs. And he was exposed to all of those guys. And, and through it all, they had a really successful you know stint for the Cincinnati uh, Bearcats, and they were um, – you know, one of the one of the surprise teams in all of college football finding their way in as a group of five to the college football playoff. Nobody expected those kinds of things. And Desmond Ritter was the trigger man for all of that. So I've got expectations for Desmond Ritter. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be the MVP of the league or any sort of thing like that. But if he can be above average and he can find a way to just lead this offense and they can be great in the red zone, will win plenty of football games. He won't be, I don't think Desmond Ritter at the end of the day is going to be the reason that our season goes sideways. If we don't have a good season like we think it's going to be, I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to be the, the point of all of that. All right, as you uh, listen into Hitting Hard with John Chuck, we make sure you go into whatever uh, podcast platform that you're listening on and leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. But let us know that you're, as we say, an everydayer to the show, that you listen in five days a week uh, with us. So we thank you so much for being a part of the uh, journey. And uh, obviously, we hope you continue to listen. So the unicorn is back. Um, the multiple touchdown guy, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. No, I'm not talking about Kyle Pitts or whatever like that. No, I'm talking about Michael Pruitt. Michael Pruitt is back. He of the 16 receptions, four touchdowns. How many touchdowns did Kyle Pitts have as the unicorn or whatever like that? Okay. Hey, listen, here's the thing. I love having Michael Pruitt back. And I was, I, I was really glad when I saw that story that said, hey, they signed Michael Pruitt back. Perfect. Again, if Kyle Pitts can't score touchdowns, I'll give it to Michael Pruitt. A fourth of his catches resulted in touchdowns. Well, but Pitts is double teamed. And okay, whatever. I, I'm tired of hearing all the excuses. I really am. I, I'm so tired of hearing all the excuses about why it's not been, you know, at level. Again, did, did Sauce Gardner struggle to go into the league and 
do his anyway. It was we're we're over all that. But anyway, I like this signing. I, I think it adds depth to the you know tight end room. I mean, he was a guy that you know again say what you will about his stat line: sixteen catches, hundred fifty yards, four touchdowns. Um, his long reception was you know thirty two or sorry twenty nine uh, yards, seventy six point two catch percentage. That's a really good number. So if you do throw it at him, you feel like he's going to catch it, whether he's wide open or whatever, for whatever reason, when you throw it to him, by and large, he catches the football. And I like this as another safety valve for Michael Pruitt. So again, did we not just talk about the idea of, well, you know, we don't have enough pass catchers on there. Here's another guy. Here's a guy who scored four touchdowns for us last year. You know, that was more touchdown receptions than what? Everybody except uh, Drake London. London's the only guy that had more touchdown receptions than Michael Pruitt. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to have the unicorn back. I'm excited to see the unicorn back in a Falcons jersey. At least we don't have one tight end that can score some touchdowns for this team. At least we know that we have one guy who, when you target him, he's going to catch the football and potentially score a touchdown. Again, 76.2% pass catch you know, percentage. That's a really good number. One fourth of his receptions that he made were for touchdowns. Get, give me, give me a guy who gives me a quarter of his receptions as touchdowns all day long. Now, again, then he's not going to catch a hundred balls or anything like this, but I'm excited that he is back in the fold and that he is going to be here. And as training camp opens up in just a couple of days, Thursday, you know, look, it'll be, it'll be fun having him back in the mix. And, Say what you will, but if that's another four, six touchdowns that we can add into the red zone in our offense, good. That's just how much better we're going to be. You know, again, I've talked about we need to be elite in the red zone. We need to be at that 67% touchdown number in the red zone. 60% of our red zone possessions result in a touchdown. That's where the good teams are. That's where the great teams are. That's where the elite red zone offenses live. They live in that realm. Okay. Let's go live in that realm. Let's get our guys and live in that realm. And if Michael Pruitt, the unicorn can be a part of all of this, no problem. And I'm glad they brought him back because it gives us another nice pass catching guy down deep in the red zone. And how many red zone weapons do we have now? There's no excuse now this year for us to be, Again, Arthur Arthur's offense was 24th in touchdown percentage in the red zone in, in his first year. They were 14th last year. No reason for us not to be a top five or six. If I'm going to have Pitts and London and Pruitt and Jonu Smith and Algier and Bijan and Cordero Patterson and the whole cavalcade of stars that we have, we better be an elite red zone offense. No reason for it. No reason for it otherwise. So this is a good move adding more pieces, adding more offensive help, and say what you will. But, again, we might kind of make fun of the unicorn thing and this, that, and the other. But if I can have a backup tight end that scores four touchdowns for my team, I'll take that all day long. I'll take those kinds of numbers. I'll take a guy who gives me 16 catches and four touchdowns for it. I'll take that all day long. And he's a decoy, whatever, whatever you want to term him as, whatever his role is going to be. If I can have a backup player 
that gives me a fourth of his catches that result in touchdowns, I'll take that all day long. I'll be excited about it, and I'm excited that Michael Pruitt is now back with this team. So good news all the way around. Let's see what he does, uh, you know, this upcoming season. But certainly, again, if, you know, things don't work themselves out, maybe we can always huck it up in the air to Michael Pruitt when we get to down deep. Anyway. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener to the program. When I call them our everydayers and leave us a uh, comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on, let us know that you're an everyday or to the show. So we thank you so much for that. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the Sirius XM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow as we get closer and closer to training camp. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 